0: looking for a way to make quick cash? Making cash with DoorDash is super easy, guys. I love driving around my town, and now I can do that and get paid. Not to mention the sign-up process was so easy. Download the DoorDash driver app today to get started.
1: Hi, this is Cal Ripken Jr., and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter.
0: The ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms like Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer, you name it. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by Brian Comboy of Mass Mutual New York State. Tax-efficient retirement planning. Go with Brian today. Advisors.MassMutual.com. That's Advisors.MassMutual.com. Find him on Facebook. Find him on LinkedIn. Brian really gets it done. Maybe you're planning a retirement or a youngster is going to college here in the not-too-distant future. Get your financial assets in order with Brian Comboy of Mass Mutual New York State. Advisors. Tip of the cap, thank you as well to the Al and Angus Pub, the Vince Guerra Consulting Group, Welch and Company Jewelers, and Camillus Golf Club. Go play Camillus if you're in and around Central New York, the greater state of New York. A lot of people like to travel to go play golf. I traveled out to Rochester a couple weeks ago to go play. I meet people all the time at Camillus <clears throat> who travel uh, each week from Rochester to come play the course. They love it, and, and why wouldn't you? It's a shopmaker's course. It's a spectacular 18. The greens are awesome. They're rolling. It's green as green can be. And they have got a tremendous array of food uh, after your round as well. Burgers and wraps and entrees. Great beers on tap and can uh, in the can and in the bottle <clears throat> as well. So make sure you head on over. To Camilla's Golf Club, since 1962, Camilla's Golf Club, Camilla's Hills golf Club.com is the website. Camilla's Golf Club is the official ML Sports Platter Golf Course for 2021. Before I bring in my man Stephen Bailey, who covers Syracuse football for 24-7 sports, we're going to get into name, image, and likeness, the dome lifting the restrictions. Uh, we're going to get into all sorts of stuff, recruiting, uh, and kind of set up the season a little bit, what to expect from camp. And obviously they're coming off of the most physical spring of the Dino Babers era uh, practice-wise as well. So we'll get into that and much, much more. But I, I wanted to spend about five minutes on the Yankees and just saying that, you know, I think the proof is in the pudding at this particular point. Now, will they do it? They're idiots. Probably not. Look where they are now. I've been barking up the fire Brian Cashman tree for, you know, 15, 16 years. They probably won't do this. I don't think it's really smart to tread water. I think this is a 2016 kind of year. And I think Brian Cashman needs to wake up, and I think he needs to reset again. And when you reset this time, the problem is going to be you still have John Carlos Stanton. You still have a lot of, you know, you got a couple of bad eggs on this team, a couple of bad contracts. But what I do know, what I do know, and trust me, there are a lot of players uh, who, who are not wanted. I mean, Major League Baseball teams, I mean, who wants Clint Frazier? a guy who has completely and utterly torpedoed down the baseball mountain in terms of his skill set, can't field his position, can't hit. Remember that lightning quick bat speed that we heard about? Where has Zach gone? He's now got vertigo as well. So Clint Frazier has zero value. Miguel Andujar, does he have any value whatsoever? I mean, the Yankees just throwing him in left field is irresponsible. Uh, He went from a guy who almost won rookie of the year to injured to now he's like completely and utterly useless and inconsistent. I mean, who has value here? Does somebody want Ruvned Odor at the deadline? I mean, the only guys to me you, you, you probably have a little bit of value with would be if you're going to give up on like a Jordan Montgomery and you wanted to trade him and you wanted to move maybe like, I mean, I wouldn't trade Gio Urshela. I wouldn't trade DJ LeMayhew if, if somebody wanted them. I, I would keep those guys. You know, I would trade Luke Voigt. I'd get rid of these guys. And now all of a sudden, because the Yankees ruined Gleyber Torres by putting him at shortstop and not second, and with their analytical approach to the game to swing for the fences between the mind games that they've played with Gleyber Torres and his his inability to get the job done as well, uh, Gleyber Torres is, to me, not untouchable anymore. Um, You know, I think there was a time... And five years ago, the Yankees got him, and that's when many people, including me, and, and and I talk to Matt Michael all the time about this. You know, we thought Cashman figured it out. You know, he traded Andrew Miller to Cleveland, got a hall of prospects. Clint Frazier was in that group. Uh, Justice Sheffield was in that group. Ben Heller was in that group. Uh, they he trades Chapman to the Cubs. You get Glaber Torres back. You thought just then and there, holy crap, they figured it out. They go on the Cinderella run in 2017, and Bing, bang, boom, they go trade for John Carlos Stanton. And since that point, here we are. Here we are. Right? Well, the time is now for a reset. This team is not good. This team <clears throat> is poor defensively. They're built the wrong way. They're constructed with a severely dominant right handed order. It's home runner bust. They make so many mistakes in the field, so many mistakes on the base paths, hitting a million double plays. The starting pitching is completely now tanked. Uh, you're either injured or inconsistent with the starters, or your uh, or your Garrett Cole, and you know you can't do anything without the Spider Tech grip, or your Chapman in the bullpen can't do anything without the Spider Tech grip. Uh, and the bullpen's getting absolutely taxed now because the starting pitching is going down uh, down the baseball cliff as I predicted months ago. Um, you know, can, are you going to be able to count? I mean, Justin Wilson, trash. Darren O'Day, garbage, right? Like, Jonathan Luizic has been good, but he's going to get taxed. Like, what is Michael King right now? Who knows? Domingo Herman, no. Inconsistent, wildly inconsistent. He's also a scumbag off the field. You know, Chapman's been a disaster. Cole's now a disaster. I mean, come on, what are you going to do? Throw Luis Sessa out there every five days now and try that again? I mean, the best pitcher on the team is Nestor Cortez. What does that say about this team? This team is a joke. You know, who do you, who do you, who can you trade? It's not even like, who do you trade? Who can you trade? Because, because if, if, if I would still trade, I mean, I know Gary Sanchez just had his regular, you know, flash in the pan, and now he'll probably, after the All Star break, hit 110, you know, but I would trade Sanchez. Here are the guys I would trade. If you can trade, if you could trade them, I would trade them Gary Sanchez, Glaber Torres. Because if you're not going to use him right, why have him on the roster? Luke Voigt, and Duhar. I would look into Jordan Montgomery, and I would start shopping Aaron Judge. Somebody's losing their mind. What do you mean? You've already got Aaron Judge with John Carlos Stanton. John Carlos Stanton drives me crazy, and he swings for the hills and all the rest. I know Aaron Judge is a better player. He's a more complete player. I know there's a lot of Yankee fans who are going to be listening to this going, you are absolutely out of your mind. You've lost it. Aaron Judge has actually had a really good season. You know, he's got 81 hits, and he's got potential to have almost a 200-hit season, 40 home runs, right, like hit around 275 to 290, right? The OPS could sneak over 1,000. His OBP is still kind of low, actually. Um, but, but again, if you look at some of these numbers in, in, in the non-analytical world and go outside of OBP for a little bit and kind of, you know, capture real baseball, Aaron Judge has been pretty formidable, and he's played actually a pretty darn good right field as well. But the thing is, his contract is up this year, and the Yankees still don't know what the hell they want to do with him. Clearly, they're super confused on what to do with him because they haven't signed him to a long-term extension. If you trade Aaron Judge to a major contender, especially in the National League, and he's a rental-type guy, and then he just hits free agency, somebody pick him up. Can you get five major prospects from the Atlanta Braves for him? Can you trade him to... uh, you know, I don't know, even somebody in the AL, I mean, could you trade him to a, I mean, would the Angels take him and you could get three, four, five major prospects? Could you trade him to, I don't know, I mean, can you can you get him over to the National League? Would the Cardinals take on Aaron Judge and give you two of their farm guys who are ready to pitch and two guys who you can plug and play in the order and get a little bit more versatile? I mean, could you do that? You know? I don't know. I just, I would look at everything here, and the Yankees are so bad that, you know, and they've proved nothing to me in terms of being able to do anything in the post. Even if they turn it around and win the division or make the playoffs, they're going to get bounced in the playoffs. They're going to get exposed. And Kevin Kernan on Twitter just tweeted this out. The Yankees have the 15th best record in the Major League Baseball and are losing the Battle of New York to the Mets. There's no question about it. Absolutely no question about it. The ML Sports Bladder brought to you by the Allen Angus Pub, Liverpool Physical Therapy, and Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare. Let's bring him in. He covers Syracuse football, men's basketball, recruiting uh, as well for both sides for 24-7 sports. Uh, He is a Syracuse grad, of course, in 2014. Been doing a really, really nice job for years. My good buddy Stephen Bailey on Twitter at Stephen underscore Bailey, the number one. Go give him a follow. Stephen, welcome back, buddy. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. So let's start with name, image, and likeness. Of course, I love having you on. Um, how do you think this will impact Orange sports? You know, football, basketball, <clears throat> you know, the ACC, when it when it gets to a, a point, how will it affect the teams, the town? Uh, just kind of give me your, your your overall thinking here, peering into the, the, the NIL future. Sure.
1: Well, I mean, I think looking strictly at Olympic sports, is great. I think there's a, a lot of athletes who really don't have an opportunity to to make money, <laughs> you know, after college. Um, so, so there's a chance for them to do some of that and to improve their brand, and that may carry over into into whatever they do they do want to do. Um, looking at football and men's basketball, which you'll, you'll probably see some of the bigger the bigger deals just because of visibility. I, I think it's very very different, um, you know. I think I think fo- football players will see some of that value, but I don't think you know. I don't think it's going to help Syracuse in recruiting. I've gotten asked that a lot. Like I don't think, necessarily, because Syracuse is a smaller market with no professional sports, but but the football program is so prominent that like the average SU football player will make more than maybe like a BC player, where you've got all the major sports in, in Boston. So I've seen that kind of go back and forth, and I'm, I'm certainly interested to see how it plays out. But, um, you know, I don't think from a competitive advantage standpoint, it's really going to affect the football program significantly. Uh, I, I think on the basketball side, you could see some of that. Um, obviously, you know, Syracuse basketball is, is a national brand, yeah. um, and I'm sure they'd like to tell you it's an international brand. Uh, but, you know, you've already seen um, – some of those guys jump on cameo, Jimmy and, and Bayheim, um, Cole Swider. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll see Benny Williams. Uh, you know, if he wants to do that, he, he kind of has the reach to do that. Um, so I, I think there are some more legs on that side of things that, that could really be an asset, um, for Syracuse. He looks kind of around the ACC, obviously Duke's going through a coaching change, North Carolina, going through a coaching change. Um, you know, depending on how all well that plays out, and are just going to go through a coaching change at some point. Uh, you know, maybe that brand is something that, that can hold some weight. And a couple years down the line, when you're, you're rising juniors in high school, see how much money, you know, the people who came before them made at various schools. Maybe that's something that, that helps the men's basketball program out. But, you know, everyone's kind of prognosticating, and we're going to need a couple years to kind of see those numbers but it's really interesting and uh, you know obviously it's a win for for athletes across the country and it was a long time coming
0: i've always thought <clears throat> that name image and likeness was the way to go because i think when everybody on the side stephen of let's pay these players uh in college sports i just thought there was too much of a gray area how do you distinguish you know uh, 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 uh somebody on the rowing team with the star basketball player who moves the needle the star football player in the SEC like a Tua or you know a, a Reggie Bush type from the past or Johnny Manziel how do you dist- you know you've got those guys but then you also have to go pay your D1 lacrosse guy and oh we're going to keep it even Steven and everybody's going to get paid the same amount well you can't do that because some of the sports move the needle to the degree that they bring in so much money that they support all the other sports we we all get paid at different levels in our country anyway, in in, in many different fields. I always thought this was the way to go because now you don't have to mess as much with the Title IX thing, which is a whole other conversation paying athletes. You know, people can just go use their name, image, and likeness. I mean, they can go sign autographs at an autograph store or a memorabilia store for an hour and collect five, ten grand if they want. Uh, You know, every level is different. You're almost an entrepreneur, so to speak, and I think... You know, these kids will also maybe learn a little bit of the business side of things as they move along in life. I've always thought that this is the better way than paying players simply based upon the fact that you can't really get it consistent, and the gray area will never go away. What do you think of that?
1: Well, I I, I think that it, at the very least, a good first step. And I think I think we're going to find out <laughs> what, the val- what the value the of those different different players is. You know. Um, and yeah, I agree with you. You need to make it realistic for so colleges. You can't, you know, you go through this argument with stipends. You know, if you're paying, you know, you, you got to kind of got to give it to everyone. You do the stipends. Um, you know, when you the argument for paying players, you kind of have varying, varying levels of that. So I think this is a really good way to identify the value of different different athletes. Like I said, you know, is it, how much is a, is a Syracuse football player going to make? I don't honestly don't know. You know, I mean, we've seen a couple. Like, a, you know, I've seen guys post that they've got agreements with, you know, like gyms. Um, Josh Black just posted that he's a he wings over athlete. So, like, you know, it's good for it Diggins to come out. Like, what does that mean? Does he just you he know, like a three pound of wings like every other week, or <laughs> uh, or is or someone cutting him a check? Um, my guess would be the former, but it, you know, we're we're gonna take need some time to figure that out. I mean, I still think. Um, you know, if you're Benny Williams, or you're, you know, you're a big college sports star that is selling tickets and putting butts in seats, you're still going to feel like you're not getting the value you deserve. Um, but obviously, when you look at the player pool for the NCAA, that's a very, very small percentage. So I think this is a is a this will this will allow everyone to see what the value of individuals is and how strongly they want to push for, you know, more you know, more fair representation in their revenue a few years down the line is yet to be seen. I, obviously, this conversation is, is not going away, but, uh, yeah, like I said, I think this was long, long overdue, and um, I think it'll set the table kind of for
0: what's next. So what's the latest and greatest in recruiting world? I, the SU football team's been on the move, man, lately, getting some good guys here, Steven.
1: Yeah, it was, it was slow. It's kind of been a slow cycle just because no one to do in-person recruiting until June. And if your college coaches like, you just they just really want to see people in person. Um, so I think Syracuse has gotten three or four commitments in the, in the last couple of weeks, and, and there have been people who came up and visited on campus. Uh, Jeremiah Wilson, a, a defensive back from Florida, great example. He hit a growth spurt last fall. <laughs> you know, he's listed to five ten. A lot of places online, he's, he's six feet now. Uh, the, just saw him on campus, and he's committed. Uh, They got Makai Mason, one of their top linebacker targets. Um, Another Florida guy, they're they're pretty excited about that. I think that's a really good get. Um, They ended up, I think they probably hosted about 20 guys in Mm. June, so I think there's still kind of some of that trickle-down coming. Uh, They got Quan Peterson, a defensive back from South Carolina, who who they hosted late in the month. Um, so the, the class is kind of starting to come together. It was slow, and then now you're you're kind of seeing it progress. It, it just feels like they normally get a run like this in May, or maybe like late April, or early May, and it's just pushed back a little bit. So um, you know, I think on the defensive side of the ball, they've gotten some of their targets that they really like, and they've obviously missed on some as well. Offense has been a little slower. They missed on their their priority quarterback commit again, second straight year. Duke beat them out for their top guy, Henry. Talent from New York City. Um, Syracuse is going to have to pivot there. And, you know that's kind of been the way it's gone. Like the last four cycles, they've really, really struggled to land their priority targets, and uh, you know that's it's, it's a it's a, it's a big problem if you if you're kind of branding your program around an offense. But it's also understandable why you know maybe <laughs> maybe a quarterback wouldn't want to come to Syracuse right now if you've watched uh, watched any of the games the last two years.
0: So let's get right to the Syracuse football season in 2021. What are your your realistic expectations for this team? Obviously the dome restrictions have been lifted. Thank goodness. We're getting out of this thing. We're going to have a normal year. It's going to be it's going to feel so good. I know it's going to be just feel amazing for you to be back uh, at the games. It's going to be great to see it. Uh how many people go to the games? That's another story. But what do you think about this team going in? Highs, lows, everything in between. Can this be Is, is this a bowl team? What are we looking at with this program in, in, in the coming season here, Stephen?
1: Yeah, I mean, the bar is set low, to be, to be quite frank. I mean, the oddsmakers, I think, have them penciled around four wins, which, uh, you know, is <laughs> fair. They went 1-10 last year. Um, the offense has been, you know, anemic for the last couple of seasons, really since the twenty eighteen season. Um, some controllable variables, some uncontrollable variables. I, I think the year is gonna go as the offensive line Yep. I mean I know that's kinda of what we've been saying, but like you just you you can't you can't score. That's right. if your line can't hold up in the ACC. I mean that 10-win season kind of came while a lot of other ACC programs were, were down, were rebuilding, were restructuring their rosters. And, you know, Syracuse has just not, really not been able to hold up the last couple of years. The biggest reason has been the front five. You know, obviously, they started Chris Elmore at left guard for most of the year last year. You know, no knock on Chris, but, you know, but <laughs> it's either like we don't have enough offensive line to deploy or our fullback playing guard. And like there's the ACC. So, you know, it was just, it was really just as bad as it could get last year. Um, now, Syracuse tried to go out and grab a, a, a transfer, and Willie Tyler from Texas, who's a redshirt sophomore who has not played snap. Uh he decommitted <laughs> over the summer, basically right before he was supposed to arrive, so, you know, that was someone who was expected to come in and compete for a starting job. Now, it's kind of looking like the group they had last year, everyone... Is healthy for the mo- at least for the most part. All the major contributors are healthy. Chris Bleich will, will be in the mix this year. He'll be eligible for the transfer from two years ago. Dakota Davis again, he, he missed much of last season with an injury. He'll be, he'll be healthy. Potentially your two starting guards there. So internally, there's optimism that group is going to be better. In turn, if your offensive line's better, your quarterback standard their beat. Whether it's Tommy DeVito or Garrett Schrader or a combination of the two you actually give those guys a chance to, to succeed back there. Um, but if that offensive line can't figure it out, you know, Aaron Service seems like he'll be starting once again. You know, if he can't rebound from what was a really rough year last year, I just don't I don't know how they really win more you know, I don't know how they hit that over on three and a half ish games. It's, it's it's hard to imagine. But if you can get that offensive line moving, I think there are skill position players who can do well. Sean Tucker had a really, really good spring. I mean, if, if you give him a little bit of room to work with, I think he can be one of the better running backs in the ACC. you got Taj Harris back on the outside. Um, and I, I, I think the defense is ready to take a step forward. I think the linebackers are really, really good. The D-line gets its veterans back. They should be all right. Uh, and you'll you'll have some holes to plug in the secondary, and, and that will pop up at times. But I, I expect the 3-3-5 defense to take a step forward this year. It's just really whether that offensive line can, can – set that side of the ball up to have a chance for success
0: that we don't know you know the other problem with the offensive line I mean when when you get this poor of an of an o-line and you're trying to run that system I mean Steven that that's it's just not a good match man you know you can run trying to run that system with a line that performs the way they do that's so mechanically off just it just doesn't work
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly it certainly hasn't. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I hear you, man. I get it. <laughs> like, it's, that's what that's the biggest quirks for the team. I mean, you, you really can't win at the power five level with a really bad offensive line. And you know, Dino has thrown some wrinkles into what he does. I mean, they didn't try and go fast last year, but yeah, if you're trying to run up tempo system with with a Short-handed offensive line, you're kind of exacerbating your own issues. So I know they've tried to recruit more offensive line. I think they signed four or five high school guys last year, but you can't you know flip that switch overnight. That takes a couple of years to really build that that veteran depth. Um, and and that's that's what they had in 2018. You know, they had six six guys who basically played regular snaps. They rotated three in at guard, and they stayed healthy the whole year. So. You know, that's what you need. You need senior linemen. They're not going to go out and, uh, and recruit a stud offensive lineman. They're just few and far between. You need to develop them, whether it's recruiting tall guys and poking them up or, or, you know, bigger guys and, and getting them athletic enough to bend and move. You need to be able to to produce offensive linemen, and they haven't been able to do that really very well. I mean, they, they switched offensive line coaches over the offseason. Mikey's been in there now. Uh, longtime San Diego State assistant, who's very close with Tony White, the defensive coordinator. Maybe you know his philosophy will will click with, with the you know the players that have a little bit better. Uh, but you know they, it's you know it, it's been really bad. You know they've been arguably the worst offensive line in the Power Five the last couple of years. I know they got a lot of guys who who want to who want to prove that narrative wrong, and you know maybe they will. But it's a uh, it's been a recipe for disaster and it's really prevented them from doing all the things that, that have made the veer and shoot scheme and particularly the Baylor version of it that Dino's modeled some of his system off of so successful you know you can't you, you just don't have the time and the space to do the things that you want to do I'll
0: tell you what the ACC I, I can't figure out I mean, is it going to, going to be a, a little bit like last year? Will it be a little bit more down even? I mean, how far up can it go? W- how do you see the conference this year, Stephen?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I I don't know. You know, I think, I, I feel like there are kind of a lot of teams that are kind of middling, stuck in the middle. Like yeah. At the bottom of the bottom of kind of that hierarchy where kind of in the past been, there have been a few teams that are clearly you know, kind of, kind of toward the bottom. So, you know, I think, I think Syracuse will have a lot of, of potentially winnable games, right? I mean, you're maybe a, a touchdown underdog, a field goal underdog. Like, I, I think there will be, you know, if things don't unravel early in the season, a lot of opportunities for them to, to have reasonable upsets. You know, uh, but. If <laughs> you go through the ACC slate. it's not like you're going through there and saying, oh, Syracuse might really be favored here. No. You know, that, that's, the start of the season is really their opportunity to get wins, opening up at Ohio, hosting Rutgers. Week two, I think that'll be a really big game. Greg Schiano mm-hmm. a chance to kind of you know make some noise and something to sell on the recruiting trail and a second go-round there. Um, and, and for Syracuse, a chance to beat an old, an old rival and I don't know, I'll prove it year for Dino Babers. So, you know, they got those two, and then and then Liberty and um, Albany. So, you know, I think Syracuse needs to be three and one in those four games to have a real shot at get, you know, realistic shot at getting the six wins. And uh, you know, I I mean, Liberty might be favored in that game. Rutgers might be favored in that game. I mean, that, I think the, the Ohio game at Ohio open to the up. So Vegas is not respecting Syracuse at all, um, and they're, they're, you know it's hard to pencil in those wins once conference play
0: starts. Stephen Bailey covers the Orange football team and men's hoops for twenty four seven sports. Do they do they do two? Do they say two four seven more or twenty four seven? Which one do they use? Twenty four seven. It is twenty four seven. Okay. That's how, that's how I've always said it. Twenty four seven. That, right? all right yeah well yeah right exactly I've heard a lot of two four seven two but twenty four seven sports get him on Twitter at Steven underscore Bailey the number one and of course at twenty four seven sports both must follow Stephen couple more quickies for you here I remember back in early May you know you did a a piece on you know the physical spring ball of the Dino babers era that it was maybe the most physical of of his uh, era why did why was it that way did they did they step it up that way for some reason?
1: Um, yeah, basically, yes. I think it was something that started with the coaching staff and then kind of went down. And the biggest difference was in the trenches and being, you know, being physical, hitting more. Um, they got really good roster depth this year compared to a normal Syracuse year because all the seniors last year got the extra year of eligibility. So I think they have four senior defensive linemen who came back for either a fifth or sixth season. And one senior offensive lineman who came back, so a couple extra bodies gives you a chance to to rotate more guys in. Um, and at the skill positions, they have tons of you know tons and tons of guys. They've got a bunch of a bunch of extra bodies they don't normally have. So they've structured their practices around that and tried to get in as many reps as possible, different position groups. Um, and I think from like a, a technique standpoint and an emphasis standpoint. The offensive line is is being pushed to be more aggressive. I think that is just a coaching philosophy thing. Uh, We'll see. We'll see how it works out. I mean, everyone likes to say you're aggressive, but I mean, sometimes if you have a zone blocking scheme, you don't want people getting too far up the field, um, depending on the flow of a play. So I know I know aggression, physicality is being preached on the offensive side of the ball, on the defensive side of the ball. It started last year, but but they do want people to be reacting quickly and, and explosively. Whereas before that, there were some more read and react tendencies built in under Brian Ward and that Tampa two style scheme. Um, so I think working out on the defensive side of the ball, just just building new habits. Right? If you're so used to like reading the running back or looking for these three things before snap and immediately after the snap, you know you're you're reading and reacting. That's what you were taught to do. Well, not in the 3-3-5. It's you, you might have your, your priest map read, and then you know what you're doing, and, and you go. And, it, you know, what you'll hear priests in the 3 5 is, everyone plays it 100%. It, if you're off, someone behind you is supposed to be there to clean it up. The linebackers, are, of course, the say a beat behind them. So, you know, stylistically, the way that the players are being instructed is to be more aggressive, is to be more physical. And, um, you know, so, so it, it produced that. and. Look, that's, that's not to say that it's going to work. <laughs> like, you know, that's just kind of the, the emphasis that was pushed forward. And I think particularly coming off a of 1-in-10 year, like I do think there's kind of the human side of that. And, uh, you know, I think I think it helped guys kind of get fired up and focused. And, you know, the, the players, talking to the players at the end of spring ball, they felt really good about how it went. So... Yeah, I mean that's you know that's what's being emphasized, and I think it's 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 affected to both the feel of the program and the vibe of the players as much as schematically X's and O's what the team is trying to do.
0: Final one for you in about a minute or so. Where do you see the swing part of the season? Whether it swings great, swings bad, is it in the beginning Do they have to get off to the big start? Is it somewhere in the middle of the ACC schedule? Is it at the back end? Where is the swing part? Where we're like, yep, yeah, that's what this team that this is this team right here. Th- this is the team we we know now. Where's the swing part of 2021?
1: Oh man, I mean, you could carve it up a few different ways. I mean, I really think if they want to be a bowl team, they need to start at three and one. So I think there's that immediate like box that needs to be checked out of the gate. Um, you know. <laughs> I- <laughs> To me, the other, this isn't really like a schedule thing, the other boxes is, is really simply health of your offensive line and quarterback. So if, at, at week eight, do you have five offensive linemen who you trust and one quarter, one power five caliber quarterback? Really, that's right now only Tommy DeVito and Jared Schrader, who, who is healthy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the last couple of years, Syracuse really have not been able to say that. So... You know, I just think they need they need that to give themselves a chance to win in conference against basically anybody. Um, so you know, I, I mean, that's that's just what I would say. And, and we haven't talked a lot about the quarterbacks, but that's why they went on to play though, the Mississippi State transfers. They've needed multiple quarterbacks every year since Ryan Nassib left in 2012. Since Syracuse entered the ACC, they haven't had a quarterback take every significant snap in a season. That's not going to change this fall. Um, so they need, you know, however that competition shakes out, they need to have someone capable of running the full offense late in the year. You know, they can't be leaning on Rex Culpepper, Clayton Welch, Zach Mahoney. You know, I, I, I think the, the freshmen have a chance to pan out, Dylan Markowitz, and Jacobian Morgan, and Justin Lamson. But I, I'm not sure any of them are, are quite ready this fall. And You know, if, <laughs> if one of them has to play, they're probably the third quarterback. And if you've gotten to that point, things with the offensive line are, are probably so bad that it's really not a good environment to throw them into, anyways. And that's how Syracuse has finished—like, I don't know, four of its last six seasons, or, or something like that. So, you know, that's those are the boxes. Got to got to start, you know, three and one, and uh, you know, you got to keep a quarterback upright through at least three-quarters of the
0: season. Yeah, very well said. I couldn't agree more. Stephen Bailey covers the Orange football team, men's hoops, recruiting 24-7 sports, on Twitter at Stephen underscore Bailey, the number one. Steve-O, really appreciate it, buddy. Hope to see you soon, uh, whether it's at the Dome or somewhere else. And, uh, hey, let's get back to normal this season, man. Yeah, anytime, Mike.
1: Thanks as
0: always. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our great friends at the Allen Angus Pub, Liverpool Physical Therapy, and Bryant & Stratton College. Hey, by the way, a huge, huge thank you to the Swan and Whitaker families for their support of the platform as well as our good friends at Welch & Company Jewelers. Log on to welchjewelers.com today. Shop the showcase Welch & Company Jewelers is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Welchjewelers.com, welchjewelers.com. Big-time thanks to Stephen Bailey covering orange sports and recruiting. Does a terrific job. Hit me on Twitter, at Mike L Sports and download and subscribe to this podcast All over the major platforms on Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer, and anywhere else, you get your pods on your smartphone device. Thanks again for listening, and as I always tell you, enjoy the games. During the season of giving, you might give away more than you want. Sweater for mom, video
1: game for Jake, and my credit card for someone named
0: Gina? More online activity can mean more exposed personal info. But LifeLock by Norton has identity theft protection all wrapped up. And if you become a victim, we'll work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions. But you can save up to 25% off your first year with promo code LifeLock. Visit LifeLock.com today.